Do you work for a family business? Before you say no, you should know that 60% of Americans work for family businesses. But maybe you're outside of the states. If that's the case, 95% of companies outside of the states are family businesses. So let me ask you again, do you work for a family business? This is Coaching for Leaders, Episode 74. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing Human Potential. Greetings from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly show to help smart people improve their communication and leadership skills. Now, you might be tuning in because you are now leading others, and you got into that role because of your technical expertise or your industry expertise. And by the way, that's the way most of us get into leadership, but a lot of us never learn the skills formally on how to become more effective as leaders, how to become more effective as communicators, and how to manage people. It is a skill set that many of us learn the hard way through experience, and this show is here to help you to learn that skill set faster, to benefit from the experience of the people in our network and our community so that you can be more effective in communicating and leading others. And if that's you, stick around because today's topic is one that you may not think off the top of your head is something that relates to you. But I bet that uh, many people who are listening to me right now are affiliated with a family business. If you don't work for a family business yourself, you almost certainly have customers, clients, or family members who are intimately involved with a family business, if not working for them, at least associated with them. And so today's topic and my guest today will be really valuable to you on the importance of communication in a family business. And I had the pleasure of earlier this week sitting down with my friend Joanne Norton to talk more about how to communicate in a family business. So here's my interview with Joanne. I'm pleased to welcome as my guest for this episode, Dr. Joanne Norton. Joanne is a family business consultant, and she helps family business prosper from one generation to the next. I have known Joanne for, gosh, Joanne, how long have we known each other now? Six or seven years, I think? At least, at least that long. And she is someone that has just been a wonderful wonderful guide for me in my career, has provided advice. We've had lunch many times. And uh, it was helpful for me in my academic work. And I am so excited to get the chance to talk with you because you know something about uh, this that I don't know, which is a lot about family business. And I think that so many of us think we know a lot about family business, but we don't really know as much as we think we do. And so I'm so glad you're here to be able to share some of your wisdom with us. Thank you, Dave. I'm absolutely delighted to be here today. So we should probably start off and define some terms. And the first term is, of course, you know, when we talk about family business, what we mean by that. So what exactly is a family business? A family business has to have several things to really be considered a family business. The first thing is the business itself needs to be mostly owned by the family, a substantial mm. portion. The second thing is that someone in the family needs to be in the leadership position. In the first or second generation, probably it's the founder and he or she is the CEO, president, whatever. But as you get into the second and third and fourth generations, it could maybe be chairman of the board of directors. And the third thing it has to be is the opportunity for it to 
passed from one generation to the next generation. Mm. Uh, you know, a, a good example might be something like Ford or Walmart. Uh, Walmart, for example, is primarily, it's, it's a publicly traded company, but the Walton family still owns a substantial number of shares, and Jebson Walton is the chairman of the board of directors. So some businesses that we may not think of as family businesses are indeed really a family business under that definition. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The, the really large family businesses. It's, it's interesting in the Sunday Orange County Register, what, there was an article about the future of the Lakers. And uh-huh. the Lakers uh, are owned by the bus family, 66%, and the rest by some uh, silent partners. And so the big question is, there are six children in the bus family. Two of them work in the family business. And so will this family business pass successfully from one generation to the next. In the article in the register, um, it was clear that that family definitely wants that to happen. So that's a family business that you might not have even thought of as being one. Oh, interesting. And I think that that you and I were talking earlier about how many businesses would really be considered family businesses in the United States and in the world. Could you share some of those statistics with us? Yes, about 80% of the businesses in the United States are family businesses, or around 25 million of them. It's incredible. And in the rest of the world, about 98% are under the definition that I've just given you considered family businesses. So, so, you know, there's an old saying that we discover, that fish discover water last, and that's kind of the way it is with family businesses. They're everywhere. We just might not be aware of it. Uh, if you go to Nordstrom's, Nordstrom's is still 100% family owned. Hmm. Uh, Mars Candy Bars, there's another another one. They are publicly traded as well, but substantially, uh, a, the substantial part of it is still owned by the Mars family. I mean, it's, they're, they're really everywhere. So a big part of the economy, whether we realize it or not, how is family business important to the economy of today, both the U.S. and globally? Well, it puts 60% of us to work. It makes Mm. up 45% of the gross domestic product. And in the last 20 years, 80% of the new jobs that have been created have been through the family, you know, through family businesses. And so there's a good chance that as this economy recovers, it will be the work of the family businesses, those owned by family owners that are going to get us back on track. Hmm. So I know you, one of the things that you work with when you're working with families is talking with them about family governance. Could you share with us what that means and why that's important for for a family business to be thinking about? Family governance is runs parallel to corporate governance. In okay. a company, you would have a board of directors making the big decisions for the, the business. But in a family business, it's the family who has to come together and they, they make policies and uh, they decide what's best for the company. I, I'll give you an example. Sure. There was a family business, first generation, father started a big company, very successful. Uh, his oldest son was in the company doing extremely well and when it was time to retire, the, his father and the son decided it was time for him to take over. The son had two siblings, and they were all absolutely delighted that this man was going to take over. Mm. And so um, he also told his siblings, I'm going to run the business exactly the way dad does, and the way dad did. And dad was happy with that. The brothers and sisters were happy with that. Everything's going well. 
until Christmas. And they lived in the Midwest and they always went to Florida in the winter for Christmas. And so here's this young man, he's taken over for his father. He's so busy, they have four children. And his wife is trying to make airline reservations and it's almost impossible because he keeps changing the schedule at the last minute. He was complaining to his dad about it. And his dad said, son, there is no problem. We have a company plane, take the company plane. He said, well, that would make things so much easier. So he and his four children and his wife fly down to Florida. And when he gets there, he has some unhappy siblings because they're going, wait a minute, you use the company plane, which ultimately will affect the profits. And you didn't get our permission. We each own part of that plane as well. Mm. We're going to have to come up with some policies about when you can use the plane under what circumstances, because it's not just dad's company anymore. It belongs to all of us. And that's when they brought in somebody, they brought in a family business consultant who helped them set up a family council, helped them write a family constitution, come up with uh, policies that guided everything from who could work in the family business to, um, to who could use the family plane under what circumstances. That's when you know it's time to start family governance. Hmm. And so um, in its and, and forgive me, Joanne, but I, I, I'm very naive in this because I've not worked in a, uh, in a in a pure family business before. Um, how does that work on the on the on the long end? Like, what would you want to see a, a family business set up? And so, would governance be an agreed upon policies and procedures ultimately, or are there other pieces that go with that as well too? It's you would ultimately want to make sure that you agreed on the policies and procedures. One of the first things we ask families to set up is a code of conduct. How Mm. do we want to be with each other? How do we want to talk with each other? How often should you answer your emails? You know, if we send you an email saying we are having a family council meeting and we need your input and, and we don't hear from you for two weeks, then that upsets the other people in the family. So we, we have really strong codes of conduct and it may be as simple as we won't interrupt each other. Because some families, even though they wouldn't talk over their friends, they'll talk over each other in a family meeting. A lot of families. A lot of families. (laughs) (laughs) My family, for sure. (laughs) So really, it's, it's at its core, it's setting expectations for good communication up front and, and putting some process around that, but really just getting people communicating with each other about what they expect and what standards and boundaries people should have for each other. Right. Because a a board of directors meets quarterly. And so what we recommend is that the family council meets at approximately the same time. Mm. I mean, I've met with families. It's so funny who will play together and they'll go out on their boats together, but they'll never discuss business. And so the family council meeting gives them the opportunity to come together and say, with a very well thought out, prepared agenda sent out at least a week in advance. So everybody knows what's going to be discussed, but it's all about the business and the family. And in the family council meetings, give you the opportunity to talk about what values you share, Mm. you know, what your vision is. It's interesting. We talk so often about how important vision is for a business, but in a family business, you need a vision for the family as well as a vision for the business. And so it's at family council meetings that you talk about things like that. 
most of the businesses I've worked with before that would fall under this family business umbrella, it seems like either do not do that or certainly didn't do that from the beginning Mm -hmm. if they are doing it now. When's the right time to start or an indicator that it's time to start putting a framework around that and have family meetings and have a code of conduct? What we have found is that the sooner you start that, the better. I, um, I have a friend who started a, a great insurance company, gosh, probably 30 years ago now. And from the time his children were five and seven, a son and a daughter, they would sit down at the kitchen table, usually after church on Sunday, that's when they started doing it. Mm -hmm. And they would hold what he would call a family meeting. And he would tell them what he had done that week. So they learned a little bit about the insurance company. He would tell them, here's where your money came from that we'll be spending. And he would say, and I love what I'm doing. I have so much fun. I have Mm. great customers. And uh, I want you to know that you are really welcome to work in the family business someday. Well, you know, Dave, you know how children are. Neither one did. (laughs) Um, One went to be uh, a a jazz uh, saxophonist. He was just great at that. And that was his son. And then his daughter went off and taught for a little while. But in about five or 10 years, they both decided that it was time to give the family business a try because they they had been told from the beginning what the family business was. It was getting more complex. Dad needed some help. And they're both in the family business today. Mm. But they've told me it was because their dad started talking about the family business when they were so young and how much fun it was and let them know in no uncertain terms that they were welcome. I, I don't know if you remember when Dow Jones was sold, the Bancroft mm-hmm. family sold it I do. to Rupert Murdoch. And and what they were upset about, the, I love the man's name, his name is Bumpy Hill. And Bumpy was talking about how they had never been invited to learn about Dow Jones or the Wall Street Journal. They had never they didn't even really understand what it was they owned. They'd never had a family council meeting. Mm. Uh, they had never had a, a family gathering solely to discuss the company. And he talks about right before his aunt died, she said it, it, he was studying biology and he said he'd just gotten his master's degree and he'd gotten a job teaching um, biology. And he said, Auntie, aren't you proud of me? I ended up just like you. I'm going to be teaching biology at this private school. And she said, hmm, what a pity. I always had hoped you'd go to work in the family business. And what upset Bumpy was, well, why didn't you tell us that at an age when we could have done something? Mm. So, you know, if you if you have a family business, you want to make sure that your children know what the family business is, what the values are, what your vision is for it. And that's what you do at family count at you know, family meetings, which as you get more sophisticated and you get into the second generation and you have cousins involved, then you have a full-fledged family council. But my answer to your question in short, it is, is it is never too late, but you certainly have to have them by the time you get to the point where the family was with the airplane, because since they had never had a family meeting, they didn't know when it was okay to use mm, the airplane or not. Yeah. So that's, 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 the, that's the, you know, the deadline. You have to be having them by then. But it's never too early to start. I love the story of the dad and the kids. And, and even if they hadn't gone in the family business, just the knowing the business and knowing what was important to their dad and learning about the world through that. And that just seems like such a valuable thing to do. And I do know people who work in family businesses or involved in family business. And it is a 
taboo subject to talk about the business. Uh, you know, people will get together and talk about other many other things, but we'll never talk about the business and its decisions are made. And sometimes people are involved and sometimes they're not. And uh, it's, you know, it's a really great example to start so early with teaching kids mm-hmm. on how to have good communication around some of these things. Uh, and, and that's, uh, that's such a great, uh, such a great model. Um, so this, this brings us to, you know, some of the challenges that families have who have family businesses. And I would imagine the list could be pretty long and we could spend a lot of time talking about it. What are some of the big things that you see, Joanne, when you were, uh, when someone brings you in to work with a family business, what are the common things that get families in trouble? When I go into work for, with the family and I say to them, especially individually, what do you think the biggest problem is your family has? They always look a little embarrassed and they think they are the only person and the only family that has this, but they will generally say, we don't communicate. Mm. When I speak to large groups, I will ask them, what do you think the biggest family is? And they'll say, we don't communicate. And they're, they're so surprised when everybody says, that's the problem we have. Mm. And yet these are people who do, as I said, go boating together, but don't have the important conversations. I gave a speech one time to a large group and this nice man said, hey, let, let, me, let me carry your, uh, your p- poster board for you in your, your briefcase to your car. I said, oh no, that, that I can get it. And he said, no, 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 I, I insist. I want to help you to the car. And uh-huh. then I realized he wanted to talk to you me. Are, he yeah. said, you know, you were right. We do have a communication problem. He said, my cousin, is 67 and he's the CEO of our family business and I'm his second in command and I don't know if he's going to retire, when he's going to retire, Mm. if he has me in mind to take over for him. I I have no idea what to do. He said, because, I mean, if I'm not going to be able to, then I need to leave this family business. Or if I am going to, I need to know what to do. I don't know where all the bones are buried. Mm. And I said, have you talked to him about it? And he looked at me like I <laughs> had three eyes and he said, oh no, we can't talk about this. And I thought, hmm, now you just met me really about 14 seconds ago and we've had a really good conversation about this, but yeah. you can't go. And I said, well, hey, have you invited him to lunch? Can you talk to him? And then of course, I know it's much more complex sure, because sure. He, he, he looked at me like I was crazy. And I knew the problem it was, first of all, because He's a cousin. It's difficult to talk about the business, but also it was a succession issue. And that brings me to the other huge problem. Family businesses don't last because they don't have a succession. Mm. Uh, they, the parents don't want to bring it up and the kids don't bring it up because what they're basically saying is, what are we going to do when you're dead? Uh, the parents are, I, I remember asking when I was someplace and I said, well, well what if you get hit by by the bus or something you know and the man said to me that that's that is my succession plan you know and then his wife said no no seriously that's not it we're just never going to die uh because they had two <laughs> sons who were in the business and hated they, they, they told me right in front of each other we, we hate each other we cannot talk oh, so no. so it's like how do we have a succession plan if a we're not speaking and b it's just too painful to talk about yeah but though that's you know, either not speaking and not having a succession plan. Those are two of the biggest problems that all family businesses face. That's why it will be so interesting 
to see what happens with the bus family because it's going to play out in the press right in front of all of us. Oh, for you sure. Know, we'll hear more details about it than we maybe even want to, but it, you know, the proof will be in the pudding if they have we'll be able to tell if this goes well that they've probably had a lot of transparency, family meetings, advice, but if it doesn't go well, it will because be because they didn't this there's so many factors that come into play here and like you said it's 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 not even the present situation or the business situation it's the um, the relationship that's lasted a lifetime that's now being brought into this complicated scenario as well too and all of the uh, the good things and also all the baggage that comes along with that too um where how do families start when they realize that this is something that needs to happen you know they need to have some conversation some communication What's the starting point? Is it is it bringing in someone like you? Is it is it is there something they should start on their own? That's just a good first step that they could do to begin that communication because it is so hard. I know for someone to sit down next to someone who might be the CEO, but also an uncle or 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 a dad, and and say, how do we? How are we going to handle this? There are some really good books out there. Some of them you can find at efamilybusiness.com, mm. uh, but or you can find them at Amazon, but you know, I would say if you are someone who likes to read, by all means, read some books about it. Um, if you bring in a family business consultant, I would, what we generally do is interview everyone in the family first to mm. find out what's going on. Um, and, and that's just to be able to bring everyone in the room together and say, here are the things that I've found. Um, and I always interview people anonymously. So mm -hmm. I have the aggregate that I share with them. And sometimes they're really surprised that they were all thinking the same thing, but no one said it. Oh, so interesting. And if, and especially if there's some conflict, it's one of those, don't, don't try this at home by yourself. If you think there's going to be conflict, definitely bring in a facilitator to, to get those issues out. What you were saying earlier was really funny. You were saying something about you, you bring along this, this psychological baggage. I know a big company that really one of the biggest problems they had was someone had shot, uh, one brother had shot another brother in the butt with a BB gun. Oh no. <laughs> Took that company down, you know, two generations later. It, because of that incident? Because of that incident, they've oh never goodness. really been able to resolve that wow they never were really able to talk about it and to have some forgiveness and some healing over that so those are the things you have to talk about so this really all comes back to communication all of it yes so what advice would you have for families who want to make sure that their family business lasts from one generation to the next which many businesses do have that interest you know on Valentine's Day a couple of years ago, I'd been asked to speak at uh, the Kellogg School of Management, uh, and it was to a group of MBA students from all over the world, and I talked to them. We presented a family business case, and we discussed things like family governance, family councils, constitutions, uh, just all the most sophisticated parts of family governance. And um, after the class, uh, Dr. John Ward, who uh, was teaching the class, invited about 10 students along with me to, to dinner. It's, and these were the students who owned the, the largest family businesses. And I was sitting next to someone from Japan, and the man across from me was from Turkey, and the young woman across from him was uh, from, uh, we had one from Austria. It, mm. it was just incredible. 
but the couple sitting next to me were from the southern part of the United States. I can see him still. He's blonde hair, big blue eyes with long eyelashes. And it was about 1030 at night. I was exhausted. And he said, Dr. Norton, if I had to know just one thing that would make my family's business successful, what would it be? And I have to tell you, Dave, I got pretty irritated. I, I, I could feel my face getting red. I wanted to say, well, have you not been listening to, to John Ward? Did you not listen to what I was saying about yeah, family governance? And, <laughs> and now you're asking me one thing. And then I thought it was the one thing we really had not talked about. I said, know thyself. He said, beg your pardon, Dr. Norton? I said, know thyself. You have to know who you are in order for your family business to be successful and you really need to help the other family members know who they are. Take the Myers-Briggs, bring in someone like Dave who can coach you to know exactly who you are. If you don't do that, there is no way you can be successful. And he thanked me kindly and he went on his way. So if, if I were to give you one piece of advice, Dave, mm. it'd be the same that I gave him. And, and to our listeners, you you have to know who you really are. And it's amazing to me. It's it, maybe it's not amazing anymore, but I, I am constantly reminded of how knowing ourselves is so important in leading and communicating well with others. And if we don't know that, that everything else becomes so much more of a challenge. And all the work I do with clients, if people don't have that kind of that self uh, self. Uh, awareness about their strengths and their opportunities for improvement and their preferences and their values. It is, it seems like that kind of touchy feely stuff mm -hmm. and it scares a lot of people. Um, but when we really take some time to examine that, it opens up so many doors for us then uh, to do some amazing things for people and organizations. And so it's, it's neat when people are willing to take the courage to do that. Um, speaking of courage, so one of the things I'd, I'd like to ask you, you know, you've been really successful in your career, Joanne, you're very talented, you, um, you, you've done some amazing research. I'm curious, what's a lesson you've learned along the way in working with people, uh, and particularly around leadership and communication that has been helpful to you, or you've had a breakthrough at some point that's really helped guide your career and that might be valuable for our community? I guess I was fortunate to have a breakthrough very early in my career. I was 22 or 23 years old, brand new teacher, teaching ninth grade English. Oh, okay. And uh, thought, you know, if I wish I were half as smart today as I thought I was when I had my <laughs> brand new bachelor's degree. <laughs> and I wanted to make a name for myself, and I was really happy that I was asked to be the leader of the literature, the, the, the literary review. It's called Reflections. And... Uh, I had a student who was brilliant, Donna. I can see her to this day, fair skin, uh, big brown eyes, uh, and just a real go-getter. Mm -hmm. And she was the editor. Of course, I was in charge of it, but she was the editor. And I drove her so hard. I told her she had to do a good job. I told her that if she did a good job with this, she would probably be a success the rest of her life. And if she failed, she would be, you know, obliterated into nothingness. And oh, I no, just no. drove her just mercilessly. And, uh, and because I, I had seen that kind of leadership on TV. Uh, I wanted to be that strong leader that just pushed her to the brink and pushed her to the brink I did. The morning that we were supposed to have all of the articles due, 
I got a call from Donna's mother and she said, Donna won't be in school today. She's in the hospital. She Mm. tried to, she slit her wrist last night. She tried to kill herself. And I was devastated. I was devastated on so many levels. I really liked this young girl and I knew she had a wonderful life ahead of her and that I had harmed her. Now, fortunately, she made a complete recovery. I kept up with her for the next 10 years, and so she went on to live a very successful life. But I was never the same. I realized that when I drove someone that hard, that what is one woman's medicine can be another woman's poison, Mm. I really made a, a drastic mistake. So I decided not to be that dominant, to be more of a high influencer, that I could explain to people what needed to be done, why it needed to be done, but not to be so forceful that I drove them to the brink again. I also realized my own communication style. I taught speech and theater and I was maybe a little over dramatic and I know that I have to be careful with what I communicate. But the most important thing is, it kind of goes back to know thyself. Not only do you have to know yourself, but you have to understand that other people are not like you. They were all motivated by different things. And so it, it um, that was my big breakthrough and it, it really shaped who I am and how I lead and how I communicate. I so appreciate you sharing that story. What a, what a, I'm so glad it worked out. <laughs> I am too. Yeah, oh, gosh. I was, had a, a happy what a ending. Challenge, what a challenging situation to be in. And, and it, boy, you know, talking about knowing thyself, how, how often we see the archetype of a leader who needs to be strong and powerful and demanding in our movies and in our society. And we see that often portrayed and, and that can be one way to lead, but there's a lot of other ways to lead too. And it's so funny you mentioned this, Jen, because just on our Facebook page this week, I was having a conversation with a couple of our community members. We were talking about this quote from Lao Tzu. And the quote is, a leader is best when people barely know he exists. When his work is done, his aim fulfilled, they will say we did it ourselves. And one of our community members, uh, Duke Whitman, chimed in and said, I like it. Are we conditioned to do this as leaders, though? (laughs) 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 Which is the $32,000 question. And I said, well, no, I don't know anyone who really sees a lot of good examples of different leadership and different leadership styles that, yes, could be that, but also could be a lot of other things, too. And I, I love that you've now, you know yourself so well of have transition to using a style that really is truly yours. But, but you know, you, you mentioned something about leadership also that I think is, is worth mentioning. What do we expect from our leaders? Um, CBS Sunday morning last Sunday, because it was right before the inauguration, um, had Dr. Tom Cronin from Colorado College on, and he studies uh, presidential uh, leadership. That, that's what he does. Mm. And he said that it was absolutely outlandish what we expect from American presidents. He said that we want them to be Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela, Rambo, the Terminator, and Spider-Man. Yeah. And keep our gas prices down too, by yeah, the way. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, and I was thinking that's what we expect from the leaders of our family businesses as well. Mm, yeah. So this, this is a perfect time for us to tell folks how to get in touch with you. If they'd like, uh, you may have 
you may be listening and thinking that this is something you'd like to know more about. And Joanne, you write a, a great uh, you know monthly newsletter that you send out to folks. So uh, let's tell folks about that and how they can get uh, on your newsletter if they'd like to. Sure. It's called a family business moment because family business uh, people, we don't have much time to read. So it only takes a moment to read this. Uh, but if you will send me an email at Norton, N-O-R-T-O-N at efamilybusiness.com, I'll be glad to put you on my mailing list and it comes out about once a month. Great. And we will put a link to that on our website as well. So folks can get to you anytime they listen to this. And uh, I'm so grateful that you came in to uh, join me today. It was, it was fun talking to you, and I really appreciate you opening up the my perspective and the perspective of our community around family business, because I think this is something that is such an important topic and just not talked about very much. Well, it certainly is my pleasure, Dave. It's always great to see you, and we always have such exciting conversations. We do. Joanne Norton is a family business consultant and helps family business prosper from one, one generation to the next. Thanks, Joanne. Thank you, Dave. Undoubtedly, you notice Joanne's been doing this quite a while. She has a wonderful amount of wisdom in this area, family business. And so I would encourage you to take a moment and consider if you're working with a family business, work for a family business, or work with a family business, or maybe know someone who does, take a moment to either decide what you would do differently based on what you've heard here on this episode, or maybe suggest this episode to someone you know who would benefit from hearing this, who is involved with a family business intimately. And we'd love to hear how you've used what you've learned in this episode. So the best place to let us know is to go to coachingforleaders.com forward slash 74, and that will take you to our show notes for this episode, and you can scroll to the bottom, add in any comments or feedback you have about the show. Of course, you can always call in feedback as well. As you know, that number is 949-38-LEARN, and you can certainly email me directly, feedback at coachingforleaders.com. And just a reminder that each week I'm having dialogue with tons of community members and talking about resources, articles, quotes, all kinds of things online in two places. And so the best place you can get connected is either through Google Plus or Facebook. And I did want to thank Laura Carr, Peggy Bauer, Maddie Sauls, Marla Robbins, Tremaine Harris, and Marshall Haas for taking a moment to connect either on Facebook or on Google Plus this past week. If you'd like to do that as well, you can get us at Facebook at coachingforleaders.com forward slash Facebook. That'll take you to our Facebook page. If you're a Google Plus user, go to coachingforleaders.com forward slash plus. And by the way, the last uh, couple weeks, I've been taking suggestions online on topics that folks are looking for around the weekly articles. So if you have a topic you'd like to hear me write about or talk about on the show, hop online there, send me an email. I would love to include your topic. And by the way, if you'd like that midweek booster shot, I do send out an email article every week and you can get onto that list by going to coachingforleaders.com forward slash subscribe. Have a great week, everyone, and see you next Monday. Take care.